Well, once again, good morning, church family. Friends and visitors, welcome. We're glad that you're here today by God's uh, design. We welcome you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the visitors who have come to join us today uh, to worship you. We love you, Lord. You are Emmanuel, God with us, the eternal King, the eternal Son, the one who was promised that would come and crush the head of the serpent, that would be a blessing to all the families, all the peoples on earth, the one who would be a descendant of David, the one who would sit on the throne for all eternity, the one to whom all tribute and authority belong. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were born in that manger that first Christmas morning. We thank you for being perfect, holy, set apart. We thank you that you live the perfect life that only you could do as the eternal God and the singular God-man. We thank you that you went to a cross, that you were pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquity. Lord, there's nothing that we can really bring you of any benefit, nothing that would ever add to your glory, but Lord, we know that because you've redeemed us, that we want to. We want to bring an offering that's acceptable to you. And our worship today as a church family and as individuals, Lord, we want to lift that up. And because of your righteousness and being born again by faith in you, we know that you'll accept it as you intercede for us for the, before the Father. So, Lord Jesus, we love you. We dedicate this day to you. And it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Skilled. You look up at the slide there and you see the hands of a skilled woodworker carving a piece of wood. Skilled. Since I became the pastor of Poetry Baptist Church just over two years ago, every January I kick off the new year with a sermon series in the book of Proverbs. In my 15 or so years of ministry, I've seen people in church settings who live absolutely foolish lives, and they think that by showing up to church on a Sunday, that somehow that that absolves them of the foolish decisions that they make the other 99.9% .9 of the time. I say that not in judgment, but out of love, that because Last year, when we went through the series Connecting Dots, we talked about the idea that humility is required, the fear of the Lord is required. That's the beginning of knowledge, wisdom, and correction. But that Proverbs 1.7 goes on to say that fools reject, that they actually despise the Lord and His wisdom. Skilled. So this month, for the next three weeks, four weeks, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. And week one, today, we're going to begin with the concept, the idea, the biblical principle of trust. So at the end of the day, if you don't know what trust is, then I've failed either in my job or you failed to listen. Trust. I want to ask you, as you look up at this slide right here, what do you see? Don't answer it out loud. It's not a competition. I want to ask you what you see. 
and maybe you'll just write it down. Don't overanalyze it. What, what do you see? Maybe write it down in your bulletin. What do you see? We're going to come back to that towards the end. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, we read this together. I'm going to read it now. Trust in Yahweh. Many of our English translations say the Lord. I like sticking with the original Hebrew as much as I can because there's meaning behind the different names of God, Yahweh. With all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will straighten your path. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. I want to start off with that word trust. Trust. I'm not going to go too deep into it right now because we're going to come back to that at the end. And I hope that after exploring the rest of this passage, these two verses, that we're going to have a better understanding of what trust is. Trust, that's the first word. Trust in what or in whom? In Yahweh. That name of God, Yahweh, occurs for the first time in Genesis chapter 2. In chapter 1 of Genesis, the very beginning, God's name is Elohim, Father, Son, and Spirit, Eternal Trinity, Elohim. But in Genesis chapter 2, he goes from being this God of this creation of this vast universe and separating the different aspects of creation, the waters from the land, the waters above from the waters below, separating and providing order. And in Genesis chapter 2, right before he creates humanity, the ones that exclusively God said he was going to make in their image according to their likeness, God's name that he gives himself is Yahweh Elohim. And oftentimes in our English translations, as I just said, we translate that simply as the Lord. But I want you to think about Yahweh in the sense of it being this very personal, intimate, promise-keeping God. The one that Adam and Eve dwelled with in the garden, Yahweh, Elohim. The one that told Noah to make an ark. Noah didn't really understand why, but he trusted God and he did it. He made an ark. And then the flood of judgment came. And God made a promise and said, I'll never do that again. He made a promise. So Yahweh, all throughout Scripture, the name Yahweh is this very personal, very intimate, relational God. Unlike the God of any other world religion, Yahweh. That's the one that we're supposed to put our trust in. That's the whom. Trust in Yahweh with all. I love that concept of all. We don't really do much of anything with everything that we've got, not with all. We do a lot of stuff sort of half-heartedly. We'll put about maybe 25 or 30% into something. Maybe it's with our job and our employer because we feel entitled to a bigger salary, a bigger paycheck. And so we say, I'm not going to give them everything. I'm just going to give them a little bit. I'm not going to give them my all. And maybe in some cases that's warranted. But here in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, the author, the writer of Proverbs, Koheleth, is saying, what I want you to do, what's needed, what's required, 
is to trust in Yahweh, the personal, intimate God, with all, everything. Not 99.9, repeating all. All of what? Our English translations once again say your heart. But the Hebrew word is understood a little bit differently. In Jewish culture, in the context, it wasn't the heart that we think of today. When we think of heart, we think of Disney princess movies. Oh, I love you with all my heart. It's that flighty emotional thing. And that's not what the Hebrew is conveying here. It's not this idea that it's this emotional thing that comes and it goes. That you can be friends with someone on Facebook one day and the next you're blocking them. It's not that kind of idea. It's not that kind of all. It's not that kind of heart. Heart in Hebrew is that inner self. It's your will and it's your mind. It's your all. It's your everything. So trust in Yahweh with all your all. With all your all. Everything that you've got, 100%. Lean not on. See, if you're wondering what trust is, the very first word, trust in Yahweh, lean not, paints the picture of what trust is. See, I could come over here and I could either lean on God, I could put all of my faith and my trust in Him, or I could decide not to do that and I could lean on my own understanding. I could lean on this over here or I could lean on God. That's what trust is. It's to put your all in all in one thing or in something else. And so we can either trust in Yahweh with all our all or we can lean on our own understanding. Our own understanding. See, the problem with our own understanding is how many lifetimes have you lived? And if you're a Christian, I hope that your answer is one. We're not reincarnated. We don't have multiple reset buttons that maybe we started off as a dung beetle and then later at some point we became a frog and then we were reincarnated once again as Shirley MacLaine and others believe. Then we became something else and eventually maybe we even were another human in another life. Completely false. We've got one life, one shot. Lean not on your own understanding. That subjective, limited, experiential knowledge. Right now in the sermon, what I want you to do is if you, if you need glasses to see the screen, I want you to put your glasses on. If you've maybe already started to fall asleep a little bit, what I want you to do is maybe slap your face and I want you to wake up because I'm going to put a slide up and I'm only going to give you about 30 seconds. This is a test. This is a test, so pay attention. 30 seconds, I'm going to have this up there. And what you're going to do is you're going to look at the slide, and I want you to count the number of Fs that you see on the screen. Ready? Go. Don't say it out loud. Count them in your head. 20 seconds. Don't cheat and tell your neighbor how many you think you got. Keep it to yourself. 10 seconds. Three, two, one. I want you to write it down. Don't keep looking up at the screen. Write it down on your bulletin. 
Write it down in your sermon notes and circle it. Because, see, there's a lot of people out there, when I tell you the answer, you're going to say, yeah, that's what I got. Not a pride issue there, right? Here we go. How many did you come up with? How many did you come up with? Say it. Five. How many? See, we got a lot of... It was the same slide for everybody out there. There's nine Fs. And see, we sit there in our lives and we think, I'm not going to lean on God because I can't see him. I'm going to rely on my own understanding. Everyone here knows what an F is. Everybody had the same slide, the same information. And yet we came up with some people that said three, four, six, seven. I had a 12 out there that I thought I heard. Somebody read three more Fs that were even on the slide. It's nine. There's no magic. There's nothing that I did to finagle or fool you. Why is it that when it comes to something like believing in God that we feel like I don't really need to trust the Almighty? I'm going to rely on my own understanding. And we can't even count the number of Fs on a slide. Is that a little convicting? You say, Pastor, that's a really bad example. No, it's a great example. It's a great example that you think that you've got it all figured out. And you're putting all of your faith in your own limited experience and subjective knowledge instead of in God Almighty. Trust in Yahweh with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all. See, it started off and it said, trust in Yahweh with all your all. All your heart, your inner self, your inner being, everything that you've got, your will, your mind, your emotions, everything. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all. All. Can anybody help me out? What does all mean? I got one response. It's not a trick question. What does all mean? It means all. It means everything. It means 100%. I think it would be a little embarrassing for everyone in here, self-included, if we said, do I do that? Do I trust in God with all of my everything? And do I do it in all in all what? In all your ways. I think we'll act like we trust in him in all our ways, right? We'll show up here on a Sunday morning and say, you know, I'm trusting in God in all my ways, and our head goes up and down. And we say, are you giving back to the church of your time, your talent, and your treasures? And you say, no, because I've been hurt by churches in the past. Are you really doing what Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 you're leaning on your own understanding. Do I trust in God that maybe the times that I've been hurt in the past, and maybe I'm even going to be hurt right here by these people, that maybe God's going to redeem that hurt for his glory. But instead, we hold it back and we say, I'm not going to really give it everything that I've got. I don't really like that Pastor Kevin guy. I don't like the fact that when he preaches, he steps on my toes. I don't like the fact that he goes into scripture and he actually preaches what the Bible has to say. I don't really like that. I had someone a couple of weeks ago tell me when we were talking about what church they went to, they said, I go to this other church 
and I really like it because it's uplifting. And I said, well, what else do you like about it? I don't understand the question. I don't really understand the question. Well, I said, you know, Jesus called us to be fishers of men, to follow after him, to be sanctified, for our lives to bring him glory and honor. And the way that we're poured out and the way that we finish well, the way that we examine our lives. And they said, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever heard that before. I just like that when I get done listening to a sermon at this other church, that when I get done, I feel good. Is that what Jesus said that he wanted for you? That he just wanted you to feel good? If that's all, that, if that's the fullness of the Christian experience, which it's not, you're robbing yourself in all your ways. In all your ways, do what? It says, acknowledge him from the Hebrew word yada, which means to know experientially. It's the idea of a husband and a wife. You get what I'm saying? It's intimate knowledge. In all your ways, acknowledge him, to know him. Not because you can see it, not because it's absolute, but because he said, I want you to trust me in this. And what we do is we say, you know what? That budget number doesn't really look right. It looks a little too high. You know what? I, I really feel like the Lord is saying that we're supposed to move and we're supposed to become missionaries and maybe I'm supposed to go to China or Mongolia, but it just doesn't make sense right now. In all your ways, know him. Step out in faith. See, because God wants to show and reveal himself to you that when you act, he's going to let you know who he is. He told Paul, after Paul prayed multiple times that God would remove the thorn in his flesh, God said to him, my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in weakness. And what we do is we lean on our own understanding. You say, God, you show me the money. You show me all the cards, and then I'm going to step out. That's not faith. That's not faith. In all your ways, know, acknowledge him. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Does that make sense? Does that make sense that someone says to you, you know what, if you keep that up, Vincent and Mike, Nathan and Micah, if you keep that up, Connor, if you keep playing around and acting a fool, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to arrest you. I'm going to put you in jail. I'm going to flog you and beat you. And there's a good chance you're never going to see the light of day again, ever. And you say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do to me? To live is Christ, to die is gain. What are you going to do? And the apostles were released by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they went right back out into the temple courts, and they were preaching and teaching in Jesus' name. And it says that they rejoiced because they'd been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Does that sound like or look like your life? Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will. He will. 
It doesn't say that he might. It doesn't say that he'll contemplate. It doesn't say that there's a fair probability. It says he will. Do y'all know what it means when God says he will do something? I got a couple of mumbles. That's convicting everyone. Amen. What does it mean when God says he will? It means that you can bank on it, that you are guaranteed that God Almighty, who is omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, full of all wisdom, that there's nothing that limits him. There's nothing that limits him except for his own character and goodness. That's it. And when he says that when you acknowledge him in all your ways, that he will 100% do what? that he will straighten. He's going to straighten. It means he's going to level it. He's going to unbend and untwist and unwind what we've warped and perverted and convoluted and degraded and desecrated in our own lives. He's going to take all of that and he's going to straighten it out. And he's going to iron it. And he's going to make it clean and as white as snow. Amen? Maybe. Amen? He says he's going to do it. So why are we still leaning on our own understanding instead of fully leaning on the mercy and the grace of God? Why? He's going to straighten. Every single English translation I looked at has this last word of this passage, plural. He's going to straighten your paths. But when I went back and I looked at the Hebrew, it's singular. God doesn't put us on multiple paths. We are not on multiple paths. We're on one path. It says that in the Hebrew, he will straighten your singular, uno, onesie path, the only one that you've got. See, because if Jesus is walking in this direction which is a singular path, and he says that if you'll follow after me, and we walk behind him like little ducks, we're following Jesus, that that's one path. But the language that we have in many of our English Bible betray that. We're not on multiple paths. If you're on multiple paths in your life, then you are lost. You need to be on one path, and that's the path of following Jesus and becoming fishers of men, glorifying him in all that we do. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. If you're wondering if that lines up with other scripture, Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my... What was that last word? Does it say paths? How can you have multiple paths and you've got one light? Well, do I go that one or? God, I'm a little confused here because paths and I've got this light. No, it's a lamp unto my feet. If you look at that little guy up there, how far can he see? Not very far. God doesn't say I'm going to show you the finish line, but guess what? He did. We know the end of the story, right? We know it. But right now in our lives, he's not illuminating the next 50 steps of our life. 
We know the finish line, and he's illuminating just the next step. Are you going to be faithful? Are you going to take one step in direction by faith? Are you? Are you going to say, you know what, God? I think that looks pretty good, but I'm going to lean on my own understanding. That looks good, but my own understanding says that I'm going to take this path over here. Epic fail. And then we sit there at the end of our lives and say, God, why is my life so twisted, so wrinkled, so convoluted? Why is there so much pain and suffering in my life? Why? See, he promised that if we acknowledge him in all things, with our all in all, if we trust in Yahweh with our everything, that he's going to straighten our paths. He promises I asked you at the beginning of the sermon today, I said, what did you see? And I want to ask you now, when you look up at that picture, if maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe when you look at that picture up there of a road that leads off into the distance and there's lots of clouds and mist hovering over the road, I'm wondering how many of you in the beginning, you looked and you just saw the clouds, you just saw the fog and the gloom. And maybe now when you look at it, maybe you see a straightened and level path. That's what God guarantees that he's going to do for you in life when you follow Jesus. He doesn't promise that it's going to come up all roses. He doesn't. That's prosperity gospel, and it's absolutely false. We're going to lose loved ones. It's going to happen. We're going to get sick. It's going to happen. God doesn't say that when you follow me, that you're never going to get sick again, that you're never going to lose anybody. He doesn't say that. He just says that he's going to make your path singular. He's going to make it straight. So what do you see? What do you see? Let's pray together. God, we love you and we thank you for your blessing upon us today. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you for your love and your goodness. We thank you for those that you brought here today, members of our church family and uh, those who are friends and extended family, God. And I just pray that the seed of the gospel would land upon the hearts in fertile soil to produce an abundant harvest 30, 60, 100 times that which has been sown. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.